AgriFutures Australia acknowledges the First Nations people of Australia as the traditional custodians of the lands and waters on which we live, learn and work. We pay our respects to past, present and future elders of these nations. Our head office is located in the lands of the Wiradjuri people of Australia and we acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of the lands and waters of the region. This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello, this is AgriFutures On Air and I'm Jane Cuddy. The annual AgriFutures Australia Rural Women's Award acknowledges the significant achievements of women from rural communities and industries by identifying, empowering and celebrating their forward-thinking initiatives. The winner of the Queensland Award is Emma Louise Gibbons, an animal lover who is thinking outside the box when it comes to looking after our four-legged friends in an environmentally sustainable way. Like her other state and territory winning peers, Emma Louise has received a $15,000 grant from Westpac, the platinum sponsor of the award, for her project and access to professional development opportunities and alumni networks. Emma Louise and her family are the epitome of what can be achieved when a creative idea around the dinner table becomes a legitimate business driving change and innovation at an international level. Well, I feel the most obvious point right now is to ask about the name of your business. Emma Louise, how did you come up with Hudson Toke? Hudson Toke came about around the kitchen table. It's one of those stories. Um, <laughs> They're basically, the best ones. <laughs> yeah, one of those stories. We were sitting there trying to come up with a brand name that we wanted to take to market with a few of our crazy ideas. And our, well, one of our sons in particular had imaginary dragons as his pet animals, so to speak. And he had one called Huds that followed us everywhere, and Toke was the other one that followed us everywhere. So, we turned around, looked at the boys and went, let's call it Huds and Toke because it really means so something good. to us. Yes. And I feel, well, they've been companions for so long and dragons are awesome. So both yeah, of those ab- things. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that's why we came up with like the shield as our logo because it's like medieval and we had all these plans about dragons and yeah. Wow. And so, well, you know, dragons, are they related to dogs? You do do pet treats, I guess. So, you know, <laughs> there might be a little line to draw there maybe. But, um, yeah, they got big teeth. <laughs> Exactly. Well, let's let's start at the beginning because your business is around that pet food or pet treat industry. How did that first become an idea for you? Basically, I've always been obsessed with animals of all kinds or with horses starting at the age of five, cattle. I had my own cattle herd through a potty calf that I raised from a very young age. And obviously, we always had lots of dogs and cats and guinea pigs, anything. Chooks, the works, I would always have a myriad of and I always took incredible care of it so that that passion has always burned inside me ever since I was a young girl and we've done like a myriad of different businesses over the years mostly at the Sunshine Coast and in Toowoomba and we got to a, a crossing point during the last GFC that hit and Russell and I decided and my husband and I decided that we wanted to get into business and create a brand and seeing as I had that massive passion for animals we decided to go into the horse treat and dog treat world. Wow so it really was more of a it sounds like you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur are you you've had a few different things over the years? Yeah I've had quite a few different 
businesses. Well, between the both of us, we have. I used to run a labour hire business in the Lockyer Valley in Stanthorpe, running all the picking crews and Bundaberg, running picking crews with like lettuce and all your fruit and veggies. I've run a detox centre, so in alternate health. So I really have that health background and that sort of has fed a lot of my recipe ideas and things like that into the animal world as well. So were you making treats for your animals before it became an actual legitimate business or was it an idea that really came out of the fact that you wanted your own business and wanted something a bit different? I've always been creative and I always have tried to make bits and pieces over the years. So we did get into like just wholesaling your straight meat products. Back then, Australians were only interested in piggies. Really? <laughs> as, a, as a product, yeah. For dog treats? Yeah. yeah, for dog treats. And it's hard to get anyone to think outside the square. So that's where I became really creative going, well, these dogs have birthdays. Let's celebrate that and get on that bandwagon. And, and I, think people are, I think I feel too people are becoming more and more conscious of their pets. And when you're saying celebrate birthdays, I think 10 years ago people would have laughed at you. Now it's absolutely a thing and people do just like the pet industry is enormous. Oh, people did laugh at us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, even if it wasn't, yeah, okay, right. We're definitely on the kooky side of everything and same with the horse treats. We're the largest horse treat manufacturer in Australia and we were the first ones to market with an Australian-made commercial horse treat as well. Back, like, once again, back then it was just carrots and sugar cubes and that they were your only options. And and with the bond um, wanting to be greater between horse and rider or trainer, this is where the treats really became such a big part and we've really pushed for that nice humane way of training horses. Yeah, okay. And so that's more of a – same sort of ingredients as a dog because their diets are quite different. Yeah, quite different. Like horses need salt whereas dogs don't and horses like sugar. They have a sweeter tooth. Dogs probably do but sugar is not as good for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> for horses there's things like that so we have to be really conscious of where we are with each ingredient in each product to make sure it suits the species and that must have been a bit of a baptism of fire because that's a lot of now that you've come up with the idea that you want to do pet treats including horses that's a lot of research and and i'm assuming you don't have a degree in animal nutrition to fall back on i do have a um, diploma in animal production perfect so yeah, that at least is some way away. You're not yeah, starting yeah. from nothing. <laughs> no, and my husband um, had a diploma in stock feed manufacturing as well. So oh, between okay. the two of us, we, yeah, you're all right. Yeah, we <laughs> had that good back, that cool background, but heaps of research, which I really enjoy, and then getting everyone to test taste and make sure we've got a viable product that also has a shelf life, so that we can get it out commercially. And we'll we'll talk about that, the commercialization and the scale of it and building it. But I just want to stay for a moment. With with the actual product itself. From what I understand, you, you did, including the research, the insect protein was obviously a, an idea from the outset and the research of that was quite intense. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you came up with using insect protein? Insect protein, mm. yep. So early on in the in all our research, we could see that there was a um, diminishing supply to the pet industry in affordable traditional proteins such as chicken and beef and lamb and roux, etc. And we wanted to get on the forefront of that and look for a more sustainable source of protein and obviously because we do a lot of research and a lot of reading 
we saw that insect protein was the most viable, sustainable product that would be useful for and available for dogs moving forward. So I started up my own insect farm, much to my family's horror. Yeah, what does that what does it look like? Tell us about it. I want to know everything. Work. Yeah. I want to know what it looks like. I want to know what yeah, what you had to do, like what kind of equipment you had to get. Being the grand thinker, I was thinking like massive sheds in the future, full computerized systems, growing these awesome little or at the product of the insect I was growing were mealworms and it was an extreme amount of work. It was a lot of cleaning and changing and feeding and temperature control and humidity control and, yeah. So oh, worse than a newborn. Control. Oh, yeah. Worse than a newborn. I spent hours out there. My kids didn't see me for about a year, I don't think. And I was like, maybe there's better insects to farm <laughs> and maybe there's better farmers out there that I can actually work with. <laughs> And is that what happened? Like you did your research and understood how it worked and could test a few products, but then you outsourced? Yeah. So basically we got back to the drawing board and went, do we continue on with this and try and keep working at the systems or do we look to those who have already mastered systems using black dodger fly larvae, which is probably, it's a native to Australia. It is integral in the breakdown of food waste in Australia. So there's so many more benefits with the black soldier fly larvae as being the input ingredients. We got in touch with a few farmers around Australia and we've been working with Barty down in Victoria. So they've produced the meal for us. And yeah, the dogs absolutely love it, which has been an added bonus. I thought there would be barriers to people actually giving it to their dogs. It isn't a massive barrier at all. People don't seem to have that much of a problem with it. Are they aware? Like, do you use it as a point of difference, a marketing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we currently we've just been like sending sample packs out to all our customers, just going, give it a go. A few people ring up going, can you talk me through what larvae it is or what, you know, they will go, what worms it, they are. And once you explain it, they're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, it's sustainable. They're healthy. Dogs love it. It's high in omegas. They use less water less power, everything. So yeah. Sustainability was a big part of why you went that way. What about the price point? Is it comparable to some of those more traditional proteins? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's cheaper than the traditional proteins and I don't see the price fluctuating much higher in the short term at least because it is so integral to the food waste management here in Australia. I think that's really encouraging because I do see prices of traditional meats just keep climbing and climbing, especially towards the pet industry because humans tend to use different parts now as well than they did back even 10 years ago. So Yeah, they're hopefully um, eating the, as you say, the non-traditional parts and um, branching out. I think MasterChef has something to do with uh, that because I totally. feel like Oxtail <laughs> was a lot cheaper <laughs> well oh, before. Bone marrow. <laughs> yeah, all of those things that are delicious that I now yeah. have to cry a little when I hand my money over. <laughs> I know, even piggies were on the menu as well. What? Really? I didn't see the piggies one. Crispy fried piggies. Oh, right. Well, there you go. Well, I'm amazed that they're still in the supermarkets for the dogs then. So tell me about the Real Women's Award. So you're the Queensland national finalist, so the Queensland winner of of that um, division. Why did you enter the competition? I really like the idea of being part of the Real Women's Award, mostly because I feel like I have a good story of someone who comes from a rural background 
and who's done a few other things but has branched back and we're using like our manufacturing to talk to different farmers and producers uh, around Australia and creating like a higher value in a product with their highly commoditized product. So just trying to break down that barrier between businesses. Yeah, that's awesome. And your team is majority women too, aren't they? Yeah, all women except for my husband. So was that a conscious choice employing a woman? It's just that that's, that's who applied for the jobs? It didn't start out that way, but it has slowly morphed into an all-women team, mostly because what we do is a lot of it's highly manual and quite exact, and they all seem to excel in that, and they really care about the quality of the end product. Not saying that men wouldn't No, I don't, all, think, I don't think you can draw that, that on We need that extra touch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially like with our decorated cookies and we all work really well as a team, although some of our bags are quite heavy, that kind of thing. They have to work really well as a team in a man- in like a manufacturing setting and they seem to really all chip in and do that and love doing it as well. So what was it like when you realised you had a bit of a winning formula with the treats themselves, you found the insect farmer? What was the next step to scale it and find that client base and set up the manufacturing? Yeah, so we've had to come up with the correct recipes to begin with to really stand out in the pet treat world. We've come up with products that are like 20% protein, which is really quite high for a a cookie, so to speak. And the insect protein has allowed us to do that and make sure that it was all test tasted first through like all the different dogs I could possibly find, all the different breeds I could possibly find. Is this just your excuse for being able to expand your Menagerie at home, or have you got a, a fairly good group of friends? <laughs> <I wish>. that, yeah. <laughs> so you've got a good group of mates that have different breeds of dogs then? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the neighbourhood, everyone and our staff all have a myriad of different animals as well. So I did try cats too. They're not as keen on the insect. No, well, cats aren't keen on anything. So no, they're, they're, they're a very natural. tough customer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be your next challenge is to create some cat <laughs> cat treats. Insect cat treats. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely on the cards. Oh, that's uh, Challenge awesome. accepted. But yeah, yeah. You yeah. did the product testing and then what, what made that scalable? What prompted you to really get your teeth in and go? Yeah, okay. So then we started sending out samples and then physically asking for feedback. So we'd send out samples to our retail customers and our wholesale customers and like with notes going, please give us the feedback. And luckily quite a few people did. And all of it was positive. They're like, oh, I wasn't sure, but I gave it a go. And my dog absolutely loves it. Where can I buy it? So just with that feedback alone, we just branched forward and launched. It was shelf stable because we'd done all the research and the time factor, that kind of thing. We've got quite a few more products still to launch in the insect range. Part of the Rural Women's Award bursary through Westpac is to purchase a new piece of equipment that will do quite a different type of product that we're really excited about. Well, that sounds intriguing. Is it the the majority of the stuff that you do, (laughs) is it pet food as well as treats or it's mainly treats? Mostly treats at the moment. However, once we get this new product machine in, that can change and we've just got a big new extruder as well. Once again, it all takes time, but treats is usually the first entry in and then we can go from there. Right. So what have you got to do to scale that? Is your processing plant at the moment just, is it your house or have you got some commercial land there on the Sunshine Coast or how does it work? Yeah, no, we've got a factory on the Sunshine Coast. We have the capacity to grow it a lot larger. So it's just a matter of getting more stores to take it on and more people to take the product on and get the message out there, is which it, is what I'm 
sort of doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure like and you won Businesswoman of the Year on the Sunshine Coast as well and an innovation award for being one of the businesses of the future by the Westpac Business Award. So they're pretty amazing accolades. How do you feel about that? Like that's it seems to be some wonderful recognition quite early on in your journey. Yeah, we have had a lot of recognition early on. I think we really think outside the square and we are quite advanced in our thinking for the future and what we can, because usually like you can create a product and then without a huge marketing budget, <laughs> which we don't have, but it does take a little bit of time for everything to come on board. So to get those accolades really helps remind you that you, you know, you are on the right track. People do appreciate innovation and forward thinking and it gives you the energy to keep going and the encouragement to keep going, which I think is so important these days. Yeah, absolutely. And with your products, are they all based on insect protein or have you got some that aren't? We've got quite a few that aren't. Like the insects is quite a new product, mostly because of all the research. So we've been working on it for like two or three years just to get it to market to make sure it's going to be the right kind of product. So it's not just, oh, we'll slap it in a recipe and hope for the best. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of research and yeah, development behind the scenes to make sure we can bring it out successfully with the right response. So now speaking of growth and scale, you've grown quite a lot in the last few years and by the sounds of it, you know, you're planning to, to grow a bit more. So what does the future hold? What are you hoping that you can achieve in the next few years? So Hudson Toke as a whole, well, like we've done quite a lot of work with vegetable farmers as well as insect farmers. So I'd really like to branch more out into working with more veggie growers for the future and incorporate that as one whole more sustainable product base with the insects and vegetables because there's so many health benefits there as well. And we're really supporting Australian farmers and Australian emerging industries. I think that is really exciting. So being able to sort of keep that innovation going there and encouraging those farmers to think outside the square as well, whether it is insect farms or veggie farmers. I'm working with some people in the scenic rim who are thinking differently, which is quite exciting. So would it be um, vegetable, like is that a byproduct then? I'm just trying to think because a lot of the meat proteins that come out aren't necessarily the prime cuts. They're the offal and the bits that, that the broader market don't want. So is that the same in the vegetable yeah, basically, world? Yeah, basically the same in the veggie world. So you'll get all your good A grades going to the big markets and then you've got your B grades that it's costing farmers a lot to keep them in refrigeration. And if we can come up with better solutions to utilise that and reduce food waste, that's such a massive part. And how do you see the actual pet food or the pet treat industry going? Are we going to continue to love our pets and prioritise their pampering, I guess, when you've got the global financial market looking like it might force us all to be a bit tighter in the next few years? Yeah, I think pets will become even more integral to people's mental health and become even more part of people's families. As dogs are allowed in more venues, people take them out because it makes them, it helps them get outside a little bit more and integrate into society from a therapeutic level. And I think they're not, no longer seen as pets as per se. Like I almost don't say the word pet anymore because they're family to people. Yeah. Well, they're a lot Most- more considered in society, like even just the simple mm. things like dog bowls at cafes and even animal cafes and that sort of thing. I do think it is more integrated into our society. Yeah, and the same with horses as well. People have changed completely the way they think about owning a horse. Now they work with a horse and 
what's best for the horse and they just get so much better result in, either in their the performance or the bond that they have with their horse as well. Yeah, I think there's still heaps of room for growth in the pet industry. I know in America, like with decorated cookies alone, I think it's like a 13% growth they've had in the last six months. So Decorated animal cookies, you mean? Cookies, yeah. yeah. Wow. Mate, I can't wait for you and your Tasmanian Rural Women's Award contemporary Melissa to get together as she's yeah. doing a lot of horse therapy. So I feel like you two, maybe this is a potential market here. This is I know. Great. I was very excited to see her. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I think she can definitely use our, our Fuds and Toe horse treats in her, <laughs> in her sessions. That is for sure. That's what it's all about is collaboration. That's right. I will see the potential. helping each other out. Yeah. The potential of you two. It's going to be great. And yeah. I was even actually, it was on another AgriFutures interview recently talking about about therapy bees so it isn't just the four-legged friends that are getting mm. all the love there is a, the australian native bees there is certainly a market for therapy bees there as well oh yeah. yeah i've been asked to make bee treats and bee food i just haven't quite worked out how to get it to the shelf stable level but it's really yeah absolutely. what does a bee have for a treat well they sort of need like a protein to it's instead of like if there's not enough flowers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The so, um, bees need food. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm just trying to think yeah. how that would work, like a little botanicals range even. This could be amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The sky's the limit, isn't it, really? Yeah. So where do you go for inspiration? You're obviously an animal lover from way back and you've got that entrepreneurial edge to you. So. Where's your inspiration come from? I just think I, I read a lot. I research a lot. I see what's happening out there. I join a lot of crazy groups on Facebook, funnily enough, so I can. <laughs> what's <laughs> a crazy like group on mul- Facebook? Well, like the multi-dog ownership in America is insane. Like a lot of people have 15 dogs. Whoa. So you listen to all what they do with their dogs and how they make it all work. And there's different nutrition groups and yeah, I have a lot of fun just being a part of those so that I can research and see what the general person needs and wants and requires and you get a lot of inspiration from that and a lot of innovative ideas, probably too many. Oh, my goodness. I'm just still struggling with 15. How many dogs do you have? Two. Oh, how restrained of you. I know. We have a bird and lots of fish and... I'm just about to get a horse again. <laughs> well, that sounds that sounds amazing. And with the opportunities that come out of the Rural Women's Award, there's the $15,000 Westpac grant, but there's also an amazing professional and personal development opportunities as well. What are you looking forward to out of the experience? Well, I've already felt like I've improved my ability to speak through media and things like that. So the Rural Women's Award has just given us so much support. Well, I've found they've given us so much support and positivity. It's really helped me grow as a as a person in a, in a public light, I guess, to a certain extent. And I really look forward to learning a lot more about those you know, personal development programs and things like that and putting them into place because you can only learn more, can't you, really, and apply it as you go. That's right. And, and, think- and just even the collaboration with the other finalists is quite exciting, like you said, with Melissa down in Tasmania and just broadening, you know, my outlook. So good. It's just such a great opportunity. So all the best, mm. Emma Louise, and fly the flag for Queensland High. And um, <laughs> it's been a delight to talk to you today. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. That was Emma Louise Gibbons, the Queensland finalist for the Agri Futures Australia Rural Women's Award. Tickets for the September 12 gala dinner are on sale now. Visit agrifutures.com.au for more information. 
Over the coming weeks, you'll hear from all of our state and territory finalists and there's so many incredible stories between them. They're united in their encouragement for any regional, rural or remote women who operate an interesting or innovative business to get involved. So please watch out for the opening of online applications for the 2024 AgriFutures Rural Women's Award. They'll open on Wednesday, the 13th of September, 2023. That's the day after this year's gala dinner. Speak with you again soon. I'm Jane Cudahy. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia. For full access to a huge backlog of stories on Australia's agricultural trends and innovations, research outcomes, inspiring stories from our rural leaders and insights into new and emerging rural industries, please subscribe to AgriFutures On Air on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find more information at our website, agrifutures.com.au.